0: And last week I already thanked Alistrano, um, uh, oh, w- w- d- Ruertje, and Amanda. So y- y- they-, they got a second thank you. They uh, got
1: a second uh, shout out. Well done yes, to them. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't paying attention. It's Friday, September the 8th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Dariff, Dutch News Contributing Editor and iPatch Aficionado, and with me today is Paul Peters, Master's Student in Civil Engineering and Dutch News' List Watcher General. Gordon, you are
0: an iPatch Aficionado. I think this refers to uh, the German
1: Chancellor. It does, uh, yes. Um, Yeah, Olaf Scholz.
0: I'm I'm always uh, uh, a little bit afraid of German chancellors, especially <laughs> when they start wearing uh, eye patches. I think this is uh, he he looks uncomfortably um, uh, uh, like a James Bond villain. He I does look uncomfortably
1: right comfortable with it. I think You see him yeah. in his official pictures. It look, it's like he's been waiting for this uh, for an excuse to wear an eye patch all his life. <laughs> they, they're going to
0: use this as yeah. a state
1: portrait, right? I think. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think uh, they are. Yeah, but he um, he hurt his face while he was out jogging. So apparently um, he's messed up his eye, and so the doctors told him to he has to wear an eye patch while he recovers. Was
0: he attacked by an aggressive buzzard?
1: Uh, Quite possibly he was. Yes, maybe he was out (laughs) running in Trenta. I don't know, but uh, that that is entirely plausible. So yes, in so so he's now done his eye patch, and he he put up a um, a post on uh, Twitter or whatever we call it these days uh, saying I'm looking forward <laughs> to the memes and I have yeah. to say that the kind of all our shorts memes I thought were a bit disappointing it's mostly people kind of dressing him up in pirate costumes um, yeah, that's right. yes. Yeah. So, and uh, um, with a parrot on the shoulder with uh, Angela Merkel's face on it, um, that I seemed to that be the, as well. Yeah. Seemed to be the theme. A few people. One of the ones I did like was uh, somebody who just uh, uh, put up a caption saying, "You should see the other guy." So that's quite good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, I uh, I had an idea, but I had didn't have the time. It was it was yeah. uh, uh, picking all the prime minister candidates we have in the Netherlands right now and Photoshop and eye on them to see yeah, yeah. Who, uh, who who looks the best in that. Who and, best uh, sports
1: yeah. the eye? That's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, of course it's not the worst accessory that a German chancellor has ever sported, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it d- does give him a certain kind of sinister look uh, which uh, which Olaf Scholz never looked in the least bit sinister before now and all of a sudden give the guy an eye yeah. patch and uh, yeah, it, your entire impression <laughs> on him changes.
0: Yes, and I've been uh, I, I I had didn't have time uh, uh, photoshopping uh, my meme idea because I was uh, watching closely all the parties that have um, registered to take part in the upcoming general election on uh, yes. November 20. Second, yes, and which uh, then uh, you
1: got your work cut out there, although it's not as long a list as it has been in previous elections,
0: right? No, last time it was over 80 parties that uh uh uh, as, as, uh contested, and now it's only 50 or something. So, um, yeah, uh, we have uh we ha- only we, we won't have a king size bed sheet uh ballot papers, only queen size uh b- ballot only queen papers size time, yeah, I think. That's a really yes.
1: Yeah and then um, which of the, uh, the 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 contenders down the list down the order have, uh, have caught your eye
0: There are several weird parties the <laughs> one of them is uh, is called the Second Wind Okay um, um and yeah I am not entirely sure uh, what they stand for what the ideology is but I uh, looked on their website a couple of days ago and they uh, are crowdfunding the 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 twenty one thousand euros that are required to in order to take part in the actual elections? Right. Um, at the beginning of the week, uh, this was at thirty five euros, and it still is at thirty five euros. So there's not much enthusiasm enthusiasm for this party. Um, there's also a party called uh, Partij helder. Okay. Um, and given the uh, current affairs, uh, you would think that this might be a party of a certain PVV MP. Yes. Uh, that's not the case. This is a green right party. Um, a green and, right um, party. Okay. Yeah. So not green left, but green yeah. right. Um, uh, so um, yeah, they is are Is this Mark Rutte sneaking
1: back in, trying to sneak <laughs> back into
0: parliament? <laughs> <laughs> possibly. Because he had yeah, a green right manifesto years ago. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So uh, he he might have another way to to return to uh, to Dutch politics. Yeah. Uh, there's also a party, and this one is the most curious one. It is the party "Wij doen niet meer mee aan politiek." That's their full name. Yeah, it uh, translates to uh, yeah we 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 quit politics or yeah, yeah, we, yeah we, 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 we don't have... participate in politics anymore um and yeah that's just uh, a, a wapi party just if, if when you yeah. go to their to their website onvermijdelijk.nl, inevitable.nl um, they for example they they presented their candidate for the uh, ministry of sports and justice um yeah, that's one ministry that's a guy a photo of a guy wearing a balaclava in an upside yeah. down with Dutch. With with the colors of the Dutch flag, but upside down. So <laughs>
1: okay, yeah, it's an Al Qaeda Dutch farmers mashup party <laughs> yeah. with the traits of anti-vax. Yes,
0: yeah. but no eye patch. I have to no uh, eye patches. No, no just it, a full balaclava. Um, but the most interesting party was the, uh, and the most curious one is the Leist Henk Kroll, uh-huh. uh, which is uh, trying to take part in the election. Which is curious because. Hank Kroll, the guy who th- this party is named after, um, is supposedly um, uh, on the candidate list of uh, BVNL, the party okay. of uh, former Forum for Democracy MP uh, Wiebren van Haga. So, yeah. um, uh, what's happening there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's <he's laughs> he his, his backup plan. Yeah. Yes, uh, he's uh, yeah. Spread your chances, right? That's always yeah. uh, 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 a good option. Um, but uh, yeah the, i don't know what's happening here i mean <laughs> yeah i can't imagine a party called liestenkoll without Call, but he is at a different party so i oh. um we should uh, take a look into that uh, what, what's happening there yeah
1: wasn't um, it on Call at the last election as well and he got like about 200 votes or something he, it
0: was a little bit more um 2000 votes i think oh, 2000 um, right. Yes but uh, yeah given that you need 60,000 for a seat uh that's yeah. uh it was disappointingly low yeah um but yeah he's trying his uh the uh, yeah, uh, d- 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 the he he used to lead the 50 plus party, right? And yes. Yeah. Apparently, he, he admitted this. Um, uh, a lot of elderly people approached him on the street, saying that they had voted for him. But um, when he asked, uh, "What exactly uh, did you vote?" They always said "50 plus" because they still, um, yeah, uh, associate uh, th- that party with Hancock. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they were. Yeah, uh, yeah, unfamiliar with the fact that he was—he—he uh, he had quit the party and he was—he uh, had started uh, his own political party. So that was uh, also quite uh, amusing, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is the downside when uh, your voter base is uh, elderly people. You have to make yeah. sure they actually keep up with the news. So, yeah, is, is there a party as well for politicians uh, who uh, campaign on a platform of urinating against police cars? <laughs>
0: no oh. uh, i don't think so um so that hasn't blown <laughs> over from belgium yet uh, no we
1: need to talk about this uh basically somehow this, uh, this is the belgian justice minister vincent van quickenborner who is in hot water over his own hot water <laughs> he, he had his 50th birthday party a couple of weeks ago and uh, a few of the guests at his party uh urinated against a police car which was outside his house because he's getting police protection uh, at the moment, yeah. because that gangster yeah. tried to kidnap him a few weeks ago. And now there's been uh, lots of, uh, yeah, lots of OPF, huge amounts of OPF about it in Belgium, uh, yeah. even by Belgian yeah. standards, massive OPF. And uh, the, the he's now had to answer to a parliamentary committee and apologise for the fact that his guests urinated against a police car. And his, his initial excuse was he didn't know anything about it. Then some video footage came out showing that he'd actually gone out uh, of the door of his house uh, while this was going on. and. And uh, while people were standing against the police car, and um, and and so filled himself, uh, apparently mimicking urination, although he says he was playing air <laughs> guitar, which I didn't think there was a way to make this more cringeworthy, but he's managed to find it. And uh, he even stepped into that very, <laughs> ver, very, very same police car, right? The,
0: yeah, uh, the police car that was just uh, uh, covered in urine, yeah. he stepped into it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, a <laughs> it's a very strange story, yes. And, yeah. uh, we're pee-pee going gate. to uh, to follow this closely now, uh, now we know that it existed because, yeah, uh, yeah, we completely missed that uh, in the past week, I think. Yeah. Uh, at least I did.
1: Yeah, as inevitably, it's been dubbed PP Gate as well. Yeah. So, that's,
0: uh, yeah, and we haven't even mentioned the uh, Italian porn star that uh, apparently uh, was approached by the Belgian prime minister to uh, have a date uh, with him. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's for another time.
1: There is so much to unearth when you start digging into Belgian politics. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, but uh, yes, uh, uh, but it is quite uh, fun because, uh, as we've mentioned, I think in the past, uh, the fun Kriekenborn, because he actually lives on the coast in Kodrijk, is uh, the minister for the designated the minister for the North Sea responsible yeah. for that sort of 200 uh, meters of coastline that the Belgians have. Um, and uh, so it's, 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 it's quite nice, I think, the Minister for the North Sea is now in trouble for making water.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. For getting wet shoes, yes. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, Moving some, on, that's, that's speaking of OPF, water what, what, What's our own uh, uh, op-hef been this week? Our op-hef uh, comes from the Beast Boss um, Because a Frisian animal shelter Has secretly set a female otter free In the nature area bordering Brabant, Gelderland and South Holland So a lot of provinces are covered in this op uh, right now um, Last March the Beast Boss was in a celebratory mood After a male otter was spotted by a wildlife camera And the last time an otter was seen there was in 1970 so uh, yeah, uh, 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 a lot of happy faces from, uh, from uh, the Boswachters over there. Around the same time a young female otter was found in a canal in Zwolle and was brought to a wildlife shelter in Friesland. Uh, it was brought up there and after it was raised uh, the shelter thought it was a good idea to set the female otter free in the Beastboss in the hope that the pair would mate and establish an otter population. They were assisted by the nature and birdwatch group Beesbos, but failed to inform or ask permission from Staatsbosbeheer. That's the government agency responsible for maintaining the nature area. And they are very unhappy with the uh, unilateral initiative. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it came out uh, this week that uh, this has happened. They had kept it secret until now, yeah. but apparently it has leaked somehow to, uh, to Staatsbosbeheer. Um, They responded saying that this is not the way to reintroduce the otter to the beast balls. Um, They should have waited uh, for it to happen naturally, (laughs) a spokesman told RTL News, adding that uh, they would never have given permission for this. On the other hand, Rob Hahn, that's a guy from the Nature and Birdwatch group. um, Sorry, the guy from the Nature and
1: Birdwatch group is called Rob Hahn. Yes.
0: Yes and there are, there are, there's even a, a better name coincidence uh, coming up <laughs> yeah. um, he told RTL News that uh, he doesn't care uh, mm. about what uh, Stas Bospier is <laughs> feeling, he said that the government policy is sometimes not the best policy, just look at the child care benefit scandal <laughs> or the Groningen gas extraction, I have no idea what this has to do with otter populations in the people's, uh, but yeah. he brought it up um, <laughs> the matter has also attracted the attention of politicians uh, BBB, SGP JA21 in uh, Zuid-Holland uh, have asked uh, the province how the question should be dealt with. And uh, the best name coincidence is that the article mm. which caught my attention on Omroep Brabant <laughs> was written by a guy named Frits van Otterdijk. Otterdijk, um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, Otterdijk—that's his uh, surname. So that's the best. Uh, <laughs> the best. Uh, I'm 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 sure Omroep Brabant uh, specifically asked him yep. to write this article definitely. because of his name. Um, yeah, definitely. They probably so, probably uh,
1: hired him especially to do it. You know. Yeah, he, he got the job <laughs> yeah, on the strength you. of oh, no He got the job on condition that he would write any stories that came up about otters.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, indeed.
1: So, so so clandestine otter breeding in Friesland uh, has not been. Uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. Has, 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 has stirred up uh, some op-hef. In the news this week, Parliament went back to work, Comcommitate is officially over, but what does that mean for the cost of cucumbers? We tackle that question, as well as what restrictions MPs have put on the government, now it's in caretaker mode, which big hitters the major parties have wheeled out to front their election campaign, and whether we'll be tucking into squid croquettes in a few years' time.
0: The Tweede Kamer, returned from a summer recess uh, and parliamentary committees have spent the week deciding which topics should be declared controversial now Mark Rutte's fourth cabinet has fallen and no longer enjoys an electoral mandate. Um, It was up to MPs to decide which of the hundreds of draft proposals, plans, reports, briefs and debates can remain on the roll for the current Parliamentary session or are politically contentious and should be left to the new Parliament, um, which we call a controversial topic. Hmm. The new Parliament is of course elected on November 22nd. However, according to an analysis by an NSA newspaper, the list of controversial subjects is controversially short. In a remarkable break with the past, even sensitive subjects such as uh, nitrogen emissions, agriculture, nuclear energy, defense spending and medical ethical issues will go ahead. Even uh, the law on housing migrants across the country, the issue that prompted the cabinet to collapse, didn't end up on the controversial list. Some opposition leaders commented that the Collapsed Coalition is trying to rule from beyond the grave, but others pointed out that Parliament shouldn't play ping-pong pet, uh, (laughs) which is a... (laughs) We need to uh, explain what ping-pong pet is, yeah. I'm not even sure what Pimp that is. pet is. Yeah, it's a, it's a game. It's a it's an old-fashioned uh, game. It's yeah, it's a,
1: sort of a parlour game, isn't it? It's one of those old boxes at the back of the games cupboard at your grandparents' house. But it's uh, exactly. I, think I, yes. I, I looked it up uh, because I didn't really know what it was. So I keep hearing it mentioned, but it's sort of a thing where you spin a wheel and then you you ask questions and you have to answer questions. The, the wheel has oh, letters of the alphabet game. on it. It's like a Ouija board, oh. basically. For it's a Dutch Ouija board game. Um, but yeah, okay. so you spin a wheel um, and you get you pick a letter of the alphabet you ask a question and the answer has to begin with that letter
0: Let's see um, basically right this was uh, said by Jan Paternot the D66 faction leader and he basically said mm. that yeah we, we cannot wait there are so many crises we cannot wait for a new government to take over this can easily uh, take uh, six to nine months we don't know uh, given the, the the recent history of, uh, of uh, forming a coalition uh, it, it, it literally can take almost a year until that happens so yeah the certain topics we, we need to address right now and we cannot wait um, uh, for almost a year to to, uh, to, ha- to address them hmm. um, the question uh, remains uh, however how many topics will actually be discussed in Parliament? In Parliament before the election recess in mid-October, um, especially because the third week of September is traditionally reserved for Princes' and the subsequent two-day-long debate on the government's new budget, so there is not n- not much time left. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, uh, how much will be discussed? Um, yeah, before the, uh, before the recess yeah
1: time is short and there's an awful lot of loose ends obviously because the cabinet collapsed yep. so quickly and you know where do we even go we haven't even mentioned the aquaculture deal which is the thing that they've been trying to untangle for the last two years and that also ground to a halt before the summer and there's no sign at all of that being uh, resolved anytime soon.
0: No, so uh, yeah, there's a, still a lot to do, but uh, yeah, not enough time. So uh, yeah, this is uh, pro- these are topics that are probably, uh, 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 m- because of time limits, uh, need to be addressed by the new parliament.
1: Yeah, and of course uh, another complicating factor is that uh, the ministers keep uh, switching jobs because uh, people <laughs> are starting to, even before the election, uh, people are starting to quit and go off to uh, plush offices in Brussels.
0: Yeah, uh, caretaker Prime Minister Mark Rutte has reshuffled his cabinet after foreign affairs minister and CDA leader Wopke Hoekstra has found a functie elders Mm. as climate commissioner at the European Commission, that is, if his nomination is confirmed by the European Parliament. Um, Interior minister Hanke Bruin Slot, who is an Afghanistan veteran and has worked for the intelligence and security services, has taken over the foreign office. Uh, while housing minister Hugo de Jonge is now leading the entire interior ministry. So, uh, yeah, what's, uh
1: what could go wrong? I, I'm sure everyone will be very reassured to know that Hugo de Jonge now has two jobs, uh, given how yeah. uh, the, the, given his record uh, on, on, on on trying to do one. Um, Indeed. Yeah, this is going to be a running theme as the election nears. Uh, more and more ministers are going to quit, and gradually Hugo de Jonge is going to run the entire <laughs> government by himself. Is it, this is the nightmare scenario, <laughs> yes. isn't it, for Dutch politics?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Hugo de Jonge will stick on, his jo- stick to his job as long as possible. Yes. Yeah. Um, social affairs minister Karin van Genep, Uh she has taken over Hoekstra's role as uh, deputy prime minister. So, uh, yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of reshuffling, a lot of uh, uh, role changing in the cabinet uh, for uh, whatever time remains.
1: Yeah. And, of course, a big um, change we're going to have after the election is that we will have a new prime minister for the first time in 13 years. <laughs> and uh, the parties started to line up their candidates. And we finally have knew, uh, briefly, who the Bay's candidate was going to be, <laughs> right?
0: Yes, that's right. Uh, on Friday, right after we published our episode, Caroline van der Plas presented the top 10 or... Yes, something like that of the Burger Bewegings candidate list, which surprisingly hadn't leaked beforehand. I think that was uh, this was uh, noteworthy. Um, as expected, Van der Plas will lead the list, but it's n- but she is not the party's choice for the prime ministership. Uh, Van der Plas has always said that she doesn't see herself as a prime minister in the future. And yeah, need to she doesn't like all the else. foreign
1: trips. Apparently, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, she doesn't and like going on heels. planes in high heels or something.
0: <laughs> a, yeah. Yes, and as she sees herself more as a uh, yeah MP as uh, someone who represents uh, their voters rather than um, yeah that, uh, 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 a minister she's hmm. uh, in that regard she is the other way around the, she's the inverse of uh, Wopke Hoekstra right he, yeah. uh, he 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 always said the same thing but uh, completely reversed <laughs> um, so uh, Mona Keizer is the uh, prime minister candidate for Boel Burgerbeweging. She was, of course, a CDA member and deputy economy minister uh, in a previous life. Um, she has always been a popular politician for the Christian Democrats. She has uh, tried to uh, uh, take over the CDA leadership several times. Uh, however, during the pandemic, uh, when she was still a minister, she publicly put uh, question marks at the government's corona policies. Uh, after which, she was sacked from the cabinet by Mark Rutte and that's the only time that happened in the 13 uh, years uh, he, uh, he 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 uh, he was the prime minister. So uh, that was a unique moment. Yeah, um, so there's, uh, some distinction. And
1: yeah,
0: yeah. And she was also a member of the CDR's party manifesto committee until August, after she unexpectedly quit the party. Right. Um, so she would have
1: actually written part of the uh, CDA's manifesto. Yes, and the, all of a sudden she, uh, yeah. she,
0: uh, she 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 uh, she she moved to uh, to the Boer beweging. The interesting thing here is that or the Boer movement, I have to say, uh, have said for weeks that they are going to um, uh, present their candidate for the prime ministership um, at this date. And uh, right, they have uh, Caroline van der Plas mentioned it several times. Yeah, they, they even the
1: AC press releases saying this is our candidate for prime minister. On the, yeah.
0: on the website, yes, and two days after uh, or three days after it, she was uh, presented. As the prime minister uh, candidate, uh, Caroline van der Plas said, "Why are we always talking about uh, candidates <laughs> for the prime ministership? She is a candidate on the Tweede Kamer list. Mm. she's going to be a uh, <laughs> volksvertegenwoordiger right?" Yeah. It was uh, it was a, b- a little bit curious that all of a sudden she made this U-turn about uh, yeah calling her a candidate for the prime ministership. Yeah, it was a bit chaotic, and wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Also, the the I don't know if you have watched the live stream of the of the presentation of the candidates. Uh,
1: on I did the list. actually see the live stream. Yeah, yeah. How did that look for well, the presentation of the candidates? Um, yeah. Was well, that professional? So yeah. Well, the, the professional's not the word I would. Uh, the first uh, word that sprung to mind. But, uh, no, yeah.
0: the, it was a live stream on YouTube yeah. uh, with a phone in a vertical position. <laughs> uh, that was, that was, uh, that was even the worst uh, thing yeah. about the presentation. Now, um, sometimes you really notice that this is uh, still a party that uh, was only founded two years ago and uh, uh, lacks a little bit of professionalism. Yeah. Um, Well, I I mean, mean, she has managed to get
1: a list of candidates together uh, for the Senate and for the Fedakama Kama in the space of a year. That's right. From having one MP. So I guess we shouldn't be too hard on the BBB. I mean, given there are other parties that have been in existence for 15 years now and still aren't actually registered as political parties.
0: (laughs) Indeed, Yes. Um, there are more people on the candidate list, of course. Uh, the third person um, is Gijs Tuinman. Yeah. Uh, he is a former Special Forces um, soldier and recipient of the Military Williams Order. That's the highest military distinction in the Netherlands. So, uh, quite a uh, quite a remarkable name on, uh, yeah, on no, the candidate list. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been
1: a really good week for nominative determinism, hasn't it? Yeah. Gijs Tuinman yeah, 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 on yeah, the Farmers Party, <laughs> uh, Mr. Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> yes
0: indeed uh, he was presented as the party's choice for the uh, ministry of uh, defense um, um, so yeah he has no political experience whatsoever so I'm not entirely sure what the idea is here but uh, they thought oh he's a soldier uh, he, he, he must know a lot about uh, um, leading a ministry I don't know Um and another surprise were, uh, other surprises were PVV MP Lillian Helder and Ja 21 MPs Dirk-Jan Epping and Nikki Pauverweij, yeah. who joined the boer beweging faction with immediate effect. And that brings uh, their seat number to uh, four in the Tweede Kamer.
1: Yeah, and that's also left Joost Erdmans. As, as the only yeah ja in twintig representative left in parliament, which he was not happy about.
0: No, of course not. He <laughs> he complained about uh, uh, seat snatching. He yeah. said these uh, these seats uh, belong to my party. Yeah, ja in twintig, they should um, uh, hand them over back to to to, to me. Um, which is a curious thing to say for him because uh, when he was an LPF MP, he also broke with uh, with that party mm-hmm. and um, yeah didn't bother giving his seat back to uh, to the LPF uh, yeah. party. and of course so, he uh, later.
1: Uh, broke with uh, Forum for Democracy as well and uh, took away all of uh, Forum's senators to, uh, to, uh, to Oh reform. yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes of course, yeah. And um, so um, yeah, We're, another curious thing to say uh, uh, f- from him. Yeah. Um, I think they are, they are still a, a party that is uh, in the establishing phase, right? It's yeah. not a solid party yet. Do you think um, it is wise to bring in Three people from f- f- uh, other parties, two of them have uh, had uh, membership of parties uh, like four, p- like f- membership of four parties in the past four years or five parties in the past five years, like uh, in Epping's and in Pau Verweis case. Um, that wouldn't be a wise thing, I think, right? Yeah,
1: the fact they've uh, managed to get some more seats uh, is, is good for them, but yeah, um, when, when you're bringing in people with a track record of uh, yeah uh, ab- abandoning parties, uh, I don't think that's. That's great i mean it's only a matter of time i think before film camille van goeden uh, turns uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, has her name added to the list uh, or possibly henk Kohl. i don't know yeah, so, yeah. Uh,
0: indeed No, yeah. i don't think that's uh, that's the right thing uh, to do i mean it is of course very tempting to 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 uh, to add a number of seats to your um, to your faction for the, for the for the what is it two and a half months uh, uh, left in the, in the tweede kamer um, uh, another thing is is probably um, another consideration is that they want some experience on their candidate list, uh, so that is a way to uh, to establish that. I think even though uh, Epping and Verwey are MPs for what is now two two uh, yeah two and a half years, so yeah. yeah they are not as experienced as for example Mona Kaiser, who is I think a much more logical uh, addition to to the party. And I'm I'm thinking um, what. If you take a Venn diagram of the Boer Burger beweging, CDA, JA21, Forum, w- what is the what what is the area where they where, where, where they all come together, right? What what are their yeah. similarities? Well, 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 I, well, well, I can't really, have really find in common. That. Yeah. Yeah. Apar- I can't really I can't really yeah, understand Apar- what Apar- they all have in common Apar- apart
1: from opportunism possibly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes.
0: So um, yeah, I don't think that's from uh, from a, from a st- Party stability point of view. Uh, I, I mean, the the worst case scenario is what happens to um, Forum for Democracy, right? In November 2020, yeah. that is the worst case scenario. But it just um, imploded, basically.
1: Yeah, they, they when, fell it, apart. when it when yeah. it literally
0: imploded, fell apart. Yeah. It, it, especially because they 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 all of a sudden it became so big in the Senate, just like the uh, what happened to the Um Is it then wise to bring in people who are actually involved in that collapse and in that implosion uh, on board? Yeah, you you I are you I'm, are kind of have have a little to
1: Fortune, aren't you? I mean, I, I don't think it's too likely they're going to have that kind of spectacular collapse because that was partly to do with uh, Thierry Bode's overarching ego, and of course the fact they had this whole problem simmering away with anti-Semitism in the uh, in the party ranks. So I don't think those are issues that are going to confront. The yes, Kubravek. So that, that was of, of course the
0: immediate the, the the immediate cause, but there were yeah. much more. Uh, underlying uh, frictions already within that party of course um, yeah um, so yeah um what's uh, even worse i think is that um caroline van der plas mona kaiser they uh, were on the opane talk show the day after or the evening that uh, the candidate list was presented and um the, uh, Mona Keizer was asked, why did you uh, uh, switch from CDA to Boer Burgerbeweging? And she said, well, I read the party manifesto and yeah, it uh, I completely agreed with it. And mm. that was uh, <laughs> uh, one of the main reasons why I why I decided to, to join Boer Burgerbeweging. And when the talk show host uh, asked her uh, on one topic, uh, why what the what Boer Burgerbeweging position on for example, uh, legalizing soft drugs is, she said, well, I haven't really read that part <laughs> in the, In the, in the (laughs) party manifesto. Uh. So there are already some uh, some uh, some question marks uh, uh, there yeah. and she could have said anything because that party manifesto isn't even published yet so she could have said anything exactly and they could just backfill it couldn't they much, yeah. more, um, uh, much more much more convincing uh, um, uh, 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 th- that would have looked much more convincing I think than saying uh, admitting that you uh, haven't really uh, read the party manifesto so. yeah
1: yeah. Um, so, yeah so, so it's not great to bring in uh, those kind of instable elements and also just the fact that when you're part of your whole party platform your identity is that you're trying to be a uh, a fresh voice and a break with the past, and you're trying to challenge the uh, uh, the establishment in the Hague. To so then sort of bring in three time servers from other parties in the Hague doesn't you know d- doesn't really chime well with uh, that. You know th- those oh. aren't really consistent oh. positions.
0: And the Burger Beweging is uh, yeah, is still projected to win uh, what is it uh, 12, 13, 12 seats
1: or yeah, something? Yeah, so I think they're on about fifteen seats maybe at the moment. But of course so they've been. It seems to be that the 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 the, the, Boer, uh, the Boer the Boerburger beweging have been uh, affected most by uh, Peter Omsicht joining the race. Uh, they seem to yeah. have lost. Uh, they, they were, I mean, remember just before the climate collapsed i think there were still the front runners or joint with the day and now they're back in about fourth place and they've yep. been overtaken by omzicht uh, but also by uh, the uh, pfd and kuhn links left block that's uh, led by Franz timmermans so they've, they've definitely yes. sunk back and the question is will they now stabilize at that level or will they f- fall back even further as the, uh, the as, as the election progresses
0: yeah, and the interesting thing is, of course, that the uh, new social contract, Peter Omser's new party, is uh, uh, pulled to win 29 seats. But uh, yeah, he already announced that he was is never going to find uh, um, uh, 29 candidates uh, to fill his list. He's going to run with a, a, a much slimmer list. Mm. And that means that uh, yeah, all these uh, uh, votes, all these seats, they, they will have to go to other parties uh, in in some way. So yeah, um, these are going to be interesting times, uh, I think.
1: Yeah, and uh, we should also mention the, uh, the Feifei Days uh, candidate list, because uh, that was published uh, at the end of this week as well.
0: Yes, uh, their list is, uh, of course, led by Dylan Jesselgus, the current Justice Minister, followed by Sophie Hermans, the party's Tweede Kamer faction leader. Um, several other m- ministers are in the top ten, such as uh, Nitrogen Minister Christiane van der Waal and Asylum Minister Erik van den Burg, which is an interesting thing because he worked so hard to uh, to get the uh, uh, uh Spring Law passed uh, in the Tweede Kamer. But it was vividly opposed by the by his own VVD party. Yeah. Um and um, um it, it, immigration was of course the topic the the, the cabinet uh, uh, collapsed over so um to put someone who is supposedly so um, yeah, uh, disagrees on such an important uh, issue for the VVD party uh, uh, on the number three uh, spot on the candidate list is an interesting choice, I
1: think. Yeah, and of course they, they've said in their manifesto that they're not going to proceed with the spreading law either. That they want to no. dump it now, don't they? So no, that puts uh, no, Van der yeah. in quite an awkward position because he's been the person who's been saying all year that, uh, this, is, that this law is essential, basically, to control yeah. immigration. And of course, yeah. controlling immigration so, um, is one of their main uh, main policy areas. I think the first sort of ten, fifteen pages or something in manifesto was all about immigration.
0: Yeah, 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 it's uh, it's uh, it's it's one of the the main topics uh, the VVD is concerned about right now. Um, there are seven women in total in the top ten. The list is uh, mostly filled with current MPs, and the biggest newcomer is Claire Martens, who is now serving in the Amsterdam City Council. And it is of course the first time since 2003 that the Liberals are contesting without Makruta uh, as leader. And it's really uh, strange to not see him uh, standing on. The, uh, on the on the number one spot of uh, of the Fivday yeah. uh, candidate list. Uh, to that is it's quite a thing,
1: isn't it? Yeah, the, the, the day without Gruiter. It seems strange. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do do you know do you know what uh, the last uh, the the previous leader uh, managed in that election in two thousand and three? It was Gerrit Zalem, but uh, oh, of course, yes, yeah. yes, yes the, yes, the former finance minister. Yeah.
0: Uh, hmm. I forgot about that, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's almost a lifetime ago, right? Yeah, and yes. here, they actually it won 28
1: been. seats then, but that was only good enough for third mm. place back in yeah. those days because the other two yeah. parties, the Pefedia and the CDR, got more than 40.
0: Change times. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned uh, CDR, who is currently polled to have three or four seats. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, given that uh, in, in those times they easily won 40 seats, uh, times have, uh, have really changed uh, in that regard even though some analysts uh, say that the uh, Christian Democrats uh, ideology is still to be found within the Boerbeurg-Beweging and the new social contract and CDA uh, was uh, uh, was established as a merging of three parties and um it is uh, yeah the 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 we have circled back to to 1980 uh, yeah. but now uh, the Christian Democrats are split in three parties as uh, as was the case originally
1: yeah Asylum is going to be a big issue in the election campaign, as we've just been mentioning, uh, and it took centre stage again this week as uh, Eric van der Beuch, the caretaker asylum minister, said third country nationals from Ukraine would be allowed to stay. The minister had given non-Ukrainians who fled the war a deadline of September the 4th to either return to their home countries or apply for asylum through the regular channels. But in what's becoming a kind of staple of Mark Richter's cabinets now, the several of the refugees took the government to court and won. The Council of State ruled the demand from Tanzania could stay pending the outcome of an appeal against a lower court decision, which won't be decided now until at least November. And so uh, Van der Boeg basically had to make a U-turn um, uh, because he'd said in previously that third country nationals had been given ample time to leave or apply for regular asylum. The Refugee Accommodation Service, GOA and organisations uh, like vluchtelingenwerk uh, who work with refugees in the Netherlands, have urged the government not to put the so-called spreading law um, on the list of controversial items. And they seem to have got their way, because uh, it looks as if it won't be deemed controversial. But on the other hand, the Day now say they're not going to proceed with it, and there's a whole, yeah, it's real uncertainty over whether or not it's going to survive into the next uh, cabinet term. Which, of course, throws up the whole issue of uh, how you then do um, uh, d- d- make sure we don't have uh, you know, overcrowding it to Apple again as we did last summer. So a real kind of knotty problem that we have uh, over uh, the spreading law and did uh, uh, you know, refugees. But we're saying that this particular issue of, uh, U- of uh, non-Ukrainians who came from Ukraine. This is about, uh, I think, uh, 4,500 people, I think, out of the total number of, what is it, 80,000 refugees from the Ukrainian mm. war. So it's not a huge number.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's also been some disturbing reports about unaccompanied children.
1: Yes, UNICEF uh, published figures this week saying the number of child refugees in the emergency accommodation has gone up by 20% in, in the last six weeks, so over the summer period. Um, altogether, there's nearly 4,000 children living in refugee shelters, 1,500 of whom are unaccompanied. And Susanna Laszlo, the director of UNICEF Nederland, said they suffered from having little privacy, no future prospects and nothing to keep them occupied. And some also slept in unhygienic conditions that compromised their health. And the quality of care mm. these children receive varies by location is unclear, which is uh, very worrying, she said.
0: Yes, and uh, at the other end of the scale, healthcare claims by undocumented migrants are uh, going up.
1: Yeah, this is a kind of a long-running, simmering problem where people um, arrive in the country illegally and then then stay, but without any real social security or any security of tenure, um, because officially they shouldn't be here. And that one thing that means is they can't take out health insurance because they don't have a registered address. But uh, as they get older, they start to need treatment, especially as they're often working in you know uh, jobs in um, you know, where they work long hours in terrible conditions, um, and uh, eventually it comes to the point where they, they reach breaking point where they can't carry on. They go to the doctor. Um, they get in, and then get into the healthcare system, and they are entitled, even though they're not undocumented and don't have health insurance, they are entitled to the basic standard of healthcare. That's a um, basic right they have. Um, and so therefore the government then has to repay the cost of their care and the agency that administers mm-hmm. that the SEACA said this week the number of claims went up by 30% last year and the cost has risen from 43 million euros to 51 million in three years and you can only see this problem getting worse because you know these people who've been here for yeah. decades now are getting older and, and, and sicker and community workers say you know, this is uh, a problem because they often delay seeking treatment as long as they can because obviously they're worried that they'll get shopped to the government if they turn up at a doctor's surgery they you know, I've got a history of very bad relations with the government. And so when they do finally go to a doctor, they need much more uh, extensive and expensive treatment uh, than they might have done if they'd gone a little earlier. And when they do go to hospital, they're often given treatment uh, kept in overnight and then chucked back out onto the street because they've got nowhere to go they don't have medication because they, again, they you know, th- th- there's no address to send the prescription to um, and doctors' practices particularly in urban areas, cities like Rotterdam are starting to turn away new patients because their lists are full so it's a pretty wretched situation really and kind mm. of the, 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 it's a reality of you know sort of saying it's very easy for politicians to talk tough on migration and closing borders and sending people back but the reality is that people often either unwilling to leave or they don't leave so they sort of fall into the the, the, the gray the gray zone the um you know, the, 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 the the illegal community uh with with no rights and no, no provision uh, and this is what happens to cheval and schip, uh, as the Dutch saying is yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Pass from pillar to post.
0: And Another thing we'll hear about a lot in this campaign is the so-called aanzuigende uh, werking, the, uh, the, the, the pulling effect of, uh, of uh, um, the attractiveness of the Netherlands, um, which is sometimes, or, or the attractiveness of the uh, migrants, of the immigration um, system. Um, but there's some research uh, done about that, right?
1: Yeah, so the argument is always about the Ansage and the Werking, uh, or the, 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 like I say, the pulling effect is that if, if you make things too um, generous or easy for refugees to integrate, so giving them opportunities to work or learn the language, then that will um, attract more migrants and make the problem worse. So the Justice Ministry's Knowledge Institute, VODC, examined this uh, this theory, uh, and they dis- uh, discovered that um, it's it's mostly rubbish. Basically, they said domestic policy had virtually no effect on which which countries refugees uh, chose to uh, try to settle in. The main priority for people fleeing war, famine and persecution is to get away from the places where they're being bombed, starved or oppressed, surprisingly. And where they end up depends Mm. primarily on whether they've got any networks of friends or family in a European country. Uh, So the general level level of prosperity and security in the country does play a role because people who feel unsafe want to get to the safest place they can find, but it's not directly influenced by asylum policies as such. Uh, and the rules on whether refugees are allowed to join family members, which, of course, was one of the sticking points that broke the last coalition, uh, those, that does play a role, but it's a minor consideration because they're broadly the same across all European countries. So, yeah, the conclusion is the anzac and Werking isn't really a thing. People flee war because there's a war on, not because they see uh, the, 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 the kind of uh, the, the cherry of uh, welfare benefits being dangled in front of their noses.
0: While almost everything seems to get more expensive by today, there is great news for vegetarians. Uh, NOS reported that the price of vegetables are noticeably falling, according to an analysis by data company Hyper, which is spelled with double I. The Mm. recent period of supermarket inflation has come to an end and consumers uh, are paying less for fresh produce such as cucumbers. Uh, That's down 10% compared to March this year and 35% uh, a year ago. Strawberries and eggplants are also cheaper than in March and and last year. Cheese and eggs are 3% cheaper than in March. And these decreases are more than compensated by price increases of other products, of course, such as frozen fruit, which are up 16%. Um, other fruits and vegetables such as tomatoes, broccoli and bananas are still more expensive than a year ago, that, but that's partly due to seasonal effects, apparently. Hyper doesn't suspect that, uh, Hyper doesn't suspect that prices will eventually return to pre-inflation levels, in total, you pay more than 11% more for your groceries than last year. And last month, Ahold Del Delhasse, that's the parent company of Albert Heijn, promised to lower prices where possible, but Jumbo said that its own rising costs uh, for rent, wages, um, will keep grocery prices high for now. And they're also, of course, sponsoring uh, Max Verstappen, which yeah. is uh, also not a, not a very cheap uh, no. endeavor, I imagine. That's
1: definitely an area where they could cut some costs. If they if they really got squeezed,
0: and they and they apparently have some cash lying around at uh, at the CEO's uh, (laughs) exactly at his his villa, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, it would seem allegedly we should say allegedly you <laughs> should say yes but yeah as an ongoing court case but uh yeah i've kind of kind of, uh, noticed definitely you know, all the staples so we'll be eating pancakes basically for the, through this winter <laughs> with the price of cheese and eggs coming down no um, banana pancakes That's, not banana uh, pancakes no, no, ju- no just cheese no, pancakes no. Yes. i don't know i don't know what's happened to the price of ham but i've definitely noticed milk has got cheaper over the last and this has been yep. going on i think for the last three months um, yep. Not not much again. A lot of this eleven percent increase year on year, I think, uh, is from uh, a year ago. I think since the start yeah, of this, this year, year, I haven't probably. noticed things get a lot more expensive. I think last year, so a lot of this is kind of a legacy from last autumn when obviously uh, all of the fuel prices went up and that had a knock on effect in the shops. So yeah. hopefully, these uh, yeah, th- we've now passed the peak of um, food inflation.
0: And I noticed that uh Rome butter, I'm not even sure what the uh, English translation yeah, for that is yeah. just simply butter, just call okay. it butter yeah, yeah. Uh, simply butter that's uh those prices are uh below pre uh, inflation levels because mm. it used to be always two fifty for a package of two hundred fifty grams um I remember, and now it's uh two twenty twenty two thirty or something so uh that yeah. one has, uh, has uh, is cheaper than uh, pre inflation levels, but uh yeah that's definitely not the case for a lot of other products. Yeah. Oh, and I noticed that a bag of crisps is uh, is, uh, is is more expensive, and it is uh, much smaller than it used to be. So yeah, that's the uh, thing yeah, is you're getting what shrinkflation is real.
1: Shrinkflation, yeah. It's that point in the podcast where we take a minute to say thank you to the people who do most to keep this podcast running. No, not Hugo de Jonge and Mona Kaiser, uh, although their contributions are invaluable, but the loyal patrons who chip in with their euros, pounds and dollars so that we can keep you abreast of the twists, turns and the serial seat snatching in the corridors of The Hague. New patrons get a special shout out in a shameless ploy to guilt trip them into carrying on donating and our sponsors (laughs) are welcome to ask us a question about anything, anytime this week uh, we have some new patrons to thank so a big thank you to Silvano Lago, uh, to Rüttia, uh, just uh, didn't give us a second name, just Rüttia, and uh, Amanda Viers. so thank you very much to all of you for signing up to our uh, uh, loyal band of patrons Uh, We also have a question from two patrons who, uh, as it happens, have uh, asked more or less the same thing. But uh, first, uh, we've uh, had a message from uh, Bill Wirtz, who's been in touch to say, uh, uh, since uh, you guys' prediction about there not being a snap election was so spectacularly wrong... I had a few <laughs> ideas for other predictions you might want to make. Uh, like, uh, Donald Trump is the favorite to win the upcoming presidential election. Vladimir Putin is absolutely safe uh, from uh, uh, any assassination attempts. And uh, Mark Rutte was very unlikely to be a future contestant on Dancing with the Stars.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. This is, <laughs> now, well, I think Hugo de Jonge is more likely to be a
1: contestant on Dancing with the Stars. But, yeah. If he can um, uh, juggle it with all this, with his six ministerial jobs he's going to have by yeah, the end of this month. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah and, and, and he was the health minister, of course. So that uh, adds to his chances, I think.
1: Yeah, and of course, he he would be. um, He'd have to have a partner called. Maybe he'd have to to pair up with uh, uh, Chantal Janssen. So he could have done some with Janssen, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Bill adds, uh, only joking, keep up the good work. So thanks for your uh, input there, Bill. And uh, yeah, we'll do our best to make uh, more terrible predictions as the months go by. I'm sure there'll be lots of opportunities. Yes, um,
0: especially uh, with uh, uh, given how fluctuous the political situation uh, is right now. So uh, yeah, yeah, there's uh, there's plenty of uh, of bad predictions coming up for you.
1: Definitely, yeah, we can guarantee you that. That's, that's one prediction I think that will come true. Uh, the questions now. Uh, Carlos Martinez asked this back in July, just before the summer break. Uh, we oh. haven't got around to answering it. Uh, he said, uh, "What's your favorite Dutch TV show or movie?" Um, and then this week, we've this, this message from uh, Steve Thornton. He said, I've been watching Dutch language shows and movies on Netflix, uh, and other streaming services are available, which to say. Uh, and I was wondering what series Dutch people actually watch. Uh, he says, uh, My Dutch cousin seems to mostly watch American series, uh, like The Sopranos and The Wire. And he does mention a few yeah. that he's uh, managed to pick up, like Tune, Arias, and Dirty Lines. Um, and I was wondering how they resonate with Dutch people uh, on a pure TV entertainment level, or do you have any other tips? So, so, two questions really about what, uh, yeah, about uh, Dutch TV shows. Um, so, yeah, any any tips, Paul, for things to watch uh, that, uh, especially if you're trying to, I guess, uh, learn learn Dutch uh, and also just uh, uh, generally be entertained in the process.
0: Um, yeah, I am not a fan of Dutch uh, acting or Dutch <laughs> uh, uh, series or films, so I uh, I try to avoid them as much as possible. My favorite yeah. Dutch. Series, however, is I think uh, Mokro Mafia. Uh, yeah, we did a special for the for our Patreon listeners about that. Uh, that's loosely based on on everything we've discussed in the summer special. Uh, that yeah. one is very nice. It's not so good uh, if you try to learn the Dutch language because they you're not going to yeah, learn
1: good Dutch with that, are you? From the uh, because they sort of use all the you will uh, be the, 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 the an excellent. You will be an excellent drug dealer though, because yeah.
0: they uh, they uh, they they speak a lot of uh, street language, of course. So uh, yeah,
1: if you want to infiltrate the Amsterdam drugs trade and uh, the, the the um uh, yeah the, and Taghi's Tagi's gang, then that's a good series to watch. But
0: yes, Flissinger, you can uh, you can also uh, go there. Uh, that's also a hotspot of, of drug crime uh, uh, since the past years um, another one I liked is De Vliegende Hollander, The Flying Dutchman it's about uh, Anthony Fokker, a uh, plane builder and also the um, uh, House Schiphol for example was founded in uh, back in 1911 or 12 or something, uh, those right. uh, stories go hand in hand, it's a nice uh, nice historical uh, series I thought um, My, my, my. the tip I always give uh, if you try to learn the Dutch language, though, is uh, try to watch the jeugdjournaal, the, the news broadcast yeah. for children. They have an excellent YouTube page. Also, all their stories also are closed captions, so you can uh, just uh, read and, uh, and and follow what they are saying. Uh, it is, of course, a program that is directed to children, so often they uh, they uh, uh, have some uh, yeah, t- childish uh, topics, but uh, they also cover yeah. a lot of serious uh, subjects as well, and they explain it in a very, um, yeah, a v- very good way, and if you're trying to learn the language that think that's a great start Uh, if you want to uh, notch uh, things up a little bit you can also go to the nos uh, YouTube page they also uh, produce I think uh, six, seven or eight videos a day on uh, on, on news uh, domestically and abroad and uh, those uh, videos are also closed captions uh, so uh, yeah that's also uh, a great tip um, yeah. another thing I would say uh, probably the Netflix um, uh, what Netflix offers uh, in terms of Dutch language series oh um, um, Undercover is another one I come to think of it. Undercover sort of yeah oh yes undercover, very, very yeah. popular series yes I haven't uh, seen
1: it, but I've heard good things about it undercover. Yes, yeah, and it's on Netflix
0: uh, because it's a Netflix original, so uh, you can check that out as well. Um, right. Another tip I would give is uh, 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 try to get a VPN and uh, try to uh, to get a um, subscription to Videoland, which is a Dutch streaming service. And if you yeah. manage that uh, to, to get access to that, you have um, access to much more Dutch language uh, series and shows. Uh, including the most popular are always listed, right? So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a great tip.
1: Oh, oh, I haven't find a bit of uh, I don't watch an awful lot of uh, Dutch TV series, but I think you, you get quite good uh, on NPO. What you do get is quite good uh, arts and culture documentaries, right? So things like Earth and mm. Wolf and that sort of thing. So if that's your kind of thing, then uh, and they're, they're ob- obviously if, if you're trying to learn the language, then they're, they're more gently paced, obviously, than gangster dramas. So um, yeah, that might be a that's thing right. to, to to check out as well.
0: Yeah. And uh, the 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 series you you listed, uh, Tone, Ares, Dirty Lines. I never heard about yeah. that, so I have no idea how they resonate. I don't, yeah, so can I've, I've
1: vaguely heard of Dirty Lines, but I haven't. I must admit, I haven't uh, watched it, and I don't know much about it. So, yeah, I'd be interested, curious to hear from uh, any yeah from uh, uh, Steve or any other patrons uh, how they've uh, gone on with that. If you'd like to become a sponsor of the podcast and ask us about Dutch politics, sport, or light entertainment, uh, you can log on to www.patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com/slash/DutchNewsNL. Amsterdam has long been praised as a cyclist paradise, but that reputation is under threat from the rise of the e-bike, according to a survey by Cyclomedia. Only 59% of cyclists in the capital feel safe in traffic, which is down from 72% a year ago. Amsterdam joins Berlin, Vienna and Stockholm as cities where cyclists feel increasingly unsafe, and they overwhelmingly blame the e-bikes for crowding them out of the cycle paths. Electric bikes were involved in 72 accidents in Amsterdam last year, which is double the number from 2021, and the city's transport planners are becoming increasingly concerned. Melanie van der Horst, uh, who's the uh, alderman for transport in Amsterdam, said there was anecdotal evidence that some people were being put off cycling, and she wants to see a compulsory 20 kilometres an hour speed limit on cycle paths, but that requires legislation at national level to be passed in The Hague. Cyclists Union, the Fietersbond, also said soup-top electric bikes and fat bikes, that's the ones with the big tyres had taken over from mopeds uh, which are banned from city centre cycleways now finally, as Fietzpat enemy number one. Curiously Hmm. though, Amsterdam was also the city where people are most likely to say they'd stop cycling if safety helmets became compulsory. So that old Dutch aversion to helmets has uh, reared its head, its unprotected head once again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I'm wondering, is Amsterdam then the most dangerous place to cycle in the Netherlands now, or are there uh, different uh, different cities where it's uh, even more dangerous than, uh, than in the capital?
1: No, it's not the most dangerous, so uh, that'll be Leiden, uh, according to oh. insurance companies who reported 23 cycling accidents for every 10,000 residents uh, in the university city. Now, which is nearly three times the national average uh, vasana also stood out with a figure of 21 Wassenaar? Uh, a- oh, Wassenaar, wow. yeah I, was, uh, I don't oh, know, it was oh, maybe yeah. it's because they've got that sort of long strip right next to the main road Where I don't oh, know, anyway I can't think of anywhere in vasana that would be particularly unsafe to cycle But uh, well, maybe it's because Maxima keeps uh, pulling out of the uh, you know, the entrance <laughs> to the palace and uh, knocking cyclists over, who knows <laughs> Look that up <laughs> Yes, look that up, it's a very obscure reference uh, Anyway, um, Peter Rumler, chair of the Leiden Cyclist Union said the city was spending millions on making bike routes safer and limiting access to cars but the cyclists themselves were letting the side down It's a busy student city and students aren't always the best cyclists, uh, he said So. Okay There's always someone else uh, to blame yeah, yeah, I was just <laughs> going to say Yeah <laughs> Uh province in general uh, didn't come off well uh, 4,500 of the 15,000 cycling accidents in 2021 happened in the province although it's worth saying it's also home to more than 20% of the population yeah, and I contains some very big cities as well so not surprising really
0: you're just looking at a uh, population density map, right? Yeah. yeah. That's uh, yeah. very often the case when you hear these kind of uh, statistics. Uh, it is worrying, though, that uh, uh, traffic safety is uh, is decreasing because, yeah, it's something that uh, the Netherlands is, al- is always very proud of, right? That Yeah. Um, uh, 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 per uh, traveled kilometer, uh, the number of deaths is uh, twice as low as in Belgium, for example. But, yeah, if... Uh, uh, if we, we if we are keeping in this direction, then uh, yeah, we won't uh, we won't be able to uh, to to slap those stati- kind of statistics in in the face of our southern neighbour anymore. So uh, it's something we should work on. We should definitely um,
1: make sure that we don't lose that kind of one-upmanship. Yeah, and I mean to be fair, I mean, cycling accidents in the Netherlands tend to be uh, a cargo bike colliding with a uh, a regular push bike, but uh, whereas in other countries it's more people being knocked down and killed by a white van, right? So it's yeah. uh, we should put it in context a little bit. But yeah, it's obviously a worrying trend of people actually being put off cycling Um, on the other hand maybe this is we are finally uh, going to start to see more people wearing um, uh, helmets on cycle paths dare I say even though it's definitely
0: a trend though I I see many more people wearing wearing helmets you uh, see more people I think especially more older people now than 10 years ago Yeah, and young people, younger people, yeah, So uh, it's yeah. Uh, it's definitely something that you see uh, popping up more often on the streets yeah. uh, than than yeah, let's say ten years ago.
1: Yeah. Whenever you mention helmets on Twitter or on any kind of forum, people go, "Oh no, we're not going to do that. We're not wearing helmets. We're not. No, of du- course not. We're Dutch. We don't wear helmets. Yeah. Yeah. So, I
0: I, think- I I I have that, the same uh, same position in. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I fully agree with these people.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't want to be like in Britain where you have to sort of dress up like Homer Simpson going into the nuclear plant to go <laughs> and get on a bike, right? With all your safety gear, but a lightweight helmet on your head isn't too much of an imposition, I don't think.
0: Rising sea temperatures caused by climate change will profoundly affect the North Sea fish population, research by Wageningen University has found. The North Sea is becoming too hot for cold water species such as cod, place and sole and are being replaced by mullet and squid. Yeah, the, the unfishing um, is real, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, these species prefer warmer water, of course, and this will also affect other species up the food chain uh, as they will follow their prey and leave for cooler areas. Uh, other effects on the north sea ecosystem are also expected as species that will stay need more food as higher temperatures make them use more energy fishermen are already discovering species usually found in hotter climates in their nets in their nets uh, such as squid langoustine uh, as well as uh, mysterious brown <laughs> packages uh, uh, destined to denmark um, there are <laughs> There are currently no rules and regulations. I forgot about this joke. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a good <laughs> one. <I> wrote <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this. Is,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. I completely forgot I wrote this in the <laughs> script. Um,
1: <laughs> you, wrote in this, yeah, you wrote in this joke about uh, fishermen uh, shipping drugs up to Denmark, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, and fish quality label MSC is asking uh, uh, to include the exotic fish species uh, in the European Union's fish quota lists. Uh, however, environmentalists uh, fear that overfishing is preventing scientists from acquiring a good overview on the number of new fish species and its population sizes. And that's information needed to establish new fishing policies uh, well enough. Someone uh, who is happy with the arrival of squid in the North Sea is not me because I don't like it. No. But uh, that's uh, sustainable fisherman Henrik Kramer. Uh, catching squid helped him through the pandemic he told NOS even though he is exporting 90% of everything he caught uh, abroad or outside the European Union even
1: right so we'll be selling a uh, squid to, uh, here to Japan or places where they actually eat squid before too long probably
0: Yes, and hopefully we won't have uh, any trouble with our uh, new um, nuclear power facilities because uh, then uh, yeah, Japan yeah. won't uh, import that anymore. Then we need uh, our new Prime Minister, Mona Kaiser, to eat squid in yeah. front of a camera in order to uh, uh, convince everyone that uh, eating fish from our waters is safe.
1: Yeah, well, she is from Fallen Dumb, isn't she? So that's uh, kind of... A oh, that's r- yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. from Fallen dumb Yeah, yeah. she is uh, she she, she be she's used to...
0: Used to she's used to uh, eating dodgy fish uh. yeah we're
1: we're, we're gonna be um, yeah there's gonna be a photo call isn't there with Mona Kaiser sort dangling a squid uh, into her mouth uh, (laughs) like like a raw herring with onions yes with onions and a a white roll Yeah. Um, yeah the mind boggles sports news and the Netherlands took a big step towards qualifying for Euro 2024 with an impressive 3-0 win against Greece in Eindhoven on Thursday night uh, which was never in doubt, right? No one (laughs) thought that uh, they were going to slip up against Greece. Yeah, there's a lot of doom-mongering obviously because uh, the the Dutch had two pretty rotten opening matches losing to France and then having a sort of hobbling win against Gibraltar but uh, they looked a lot more fluid, I thought, on Thursday night. Uh, Denzel Dumfries uh, led the charge in the first half. He set up Martin de Rhone for his first international goal in after 17 minutes then after half an hour Dumfries uh, swapped passes with Javi Simons on the right before chipping across to Cody Gakpo who uh, controlled the ball in his chest and rolled it in and then the third goal was scored by Wout Weghorst after 39 minutes uh, again from across by Dumfries a couple of minutes after Dumfries himself had struck the base of the post. So that puts O'Reilly in kind of pole position to take second place in the group behind France um, their next Paul match position
0: to take second uh, Paul position, position to place. take second spot mm.
1: Yeah, th- okay. th- that's yeah. how it works in football yeah. um, their next match uh, is on Sunday uh, in Dublin against the Republic of Ireland which is the first okay. time they played a competitive match in Dublin since September the 1st 2001 do you remember uh-huh. what happened then?
0: Um, I, I, I know what happened 10 days later but yeah. uh, on September 1st <laughs> 2001 I'm not entirely sure Well, no. uh,
1: Louis van Gaal has described it as uh, the worst uh, day of his uh, managerial career I think or the low point of his career because it's when the uh, Oranje lost to the Republic of Arden 1-0 and they ah. didn't go to the World Cup in Japan and Korea and van Gaal was fuming mm. and he resigned shortly afterwards and uh, yeah he was not best pleased it's been van Gaal ophef this week by the way Have you yeah this? I was going to yeah. say that yeah. yes <laughs> Because he, he 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 gave an interview, I think at the uh, was it the Player of the, the the European Player of the Year awards or some? Or no, the,
0: I think he he got a sort of uh, football lifetime achievement. That's right, you got a big. lifetime
1: achievement awards Yeah, and then uh, out of nothing, I think he wasn't being particularly asked about it, but uh, he he, he <laughs> mentioned that he thought that uh, the World Cup had been rigged in favour of Argentina. Yeah. And then yeah, when he was yeah. pressed on the issue he said uh, no 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 I've said enough already.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He basically but he basically said that uh uh referee was uh what did he say? I
1: can't remember what he said exactly about the referee but um he was basically asked uh, do you think that uh, they you know that it was pre it was it was preordained that uh, Messi yeah. should become world champion he said yes that's what i think.
0: Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was it. Um, and there's of course
1: enormous hot air all around. You know, Argentina and uh, the yeah the the, 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 the Spanish speaking uh, world in general that funchal uh, mm. does uh, yeah does sort of raise this conspiracy
0: and. uh Max Verstappen has been uh, breaking records again, uh, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, it's going to be quicker soon to list the records in Formula 1 that aren't held by Max Verstappen. He's, yeah. Um, yeah. He won the Italian Grand Prix at Monza last weekend, and that was his 10th victory in a row. And that beats a mark that was set by his predecessor at Red Bull, uh, Sebastian Vettel, in 2013. Um, yeah, even after Carlos Sainz beat Verstappen off the starting grid and uh, managed to stay in front for about 15 laps it wasn't really in doubt that Verstappen was going to eventually win and surely if he did and afterwards he did his best to be modest which is uh, not a thing that he's ever going to set any records in I don't think modesty mm. but he did say uh, I never would have believed that was possible but we had to work for it today and that made it uh, a lot more fun So Verstappen now has a 145-point lead in the Drivers' Championship over his teammate uh, Sergio Perez, with uh, Fernando Alonso just ahead of Lewis Hamilton in third.
0: Yeah and the team boss of uh, Mercedes uh was asked what he thought about um, Max Verstappen's uh, uh record and he said oh that's that's something uh, only people who read uh, Wikipedia are interested in <laughs> um and uh, yeah that also caused uh, some upheav yeah. uh, among the Max Verstappen fans here in the Netherlands yeah um But um, last, uh, but certainly not least,
1: uh, there is cricket news. There is. Gloriously, there is cricket news. Ah. uh, Because, uh, yeah, it's uh, just four weeks now until the uh, first ball is bowled in the ICC Cricket World Cup in India. And the Netherlands have named their 15-man squad. So regular listeners will remember how Orania qualified in dramatic style in Zimbabwe over the summer, knocking out the West Indies and uh, Scotland, those cricketing giants along the way. (laughs) Uh, the Dutch recalled experience... duo. Uh, are they
0: are they cricket giants? I'm not sure. Well, I the West Indies there. are. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I just promote Scotland because uh, you know, <laughs> that's what I do. Uh, the Dutch have recalled experienced duo uh, Rulof van der Meere and Colin Ackermann who uh, both starred in last year's T20 World Cup in Australia that's an even shorter version of the game than the the one day version Uh, Max O'Dowd will open the batting again and the heroes of the qualifying competition like Logan van Beek and Bas de Leder and Captain Scott Edwards are all included as well and there's a first call-up for the South African-born batsman Siebrand Engelbrecht, uh, who is uh, what the star of the Dutch domestic cricket league uh, this uh, this year, which I know you follow very closely, Paul.
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he has. He he really has the the most al- almost the most Dutch name ever, I think. Yeah. Siebrand Engelbrecht.
1: I think they they picked a guy, yeah, with with the most kind of Grooten sounding name they could yeah. possibly come up with. Yeah, definitely yeah. a Dutch cricket. Uh, Cricketer uh, bra- uh, branded, uh, yeah. He was captain of Forburg, who won the Dutch championship, and he scored five hundred and forty-nine runs uh, during the season. Head coach sounds Ryan- impressive. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> Head coach uh, Ryan Cook said the team's goal was to reach the semi-finals, uh, which is uh, pretty ambitious, gotta say. But uh, you no, know, why not aim high? They've got nothing to lose. No one expects them to uh, pull up any trees. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, 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 I'm sure they, they will learn a lot. And uh, they're a team with real spirit who play for each other. And they're certainly, if they provide as much entertainment as they did in the qualifying competition, then uh, it'll be uh, a great, a, a, a great show. The Netherlands' first match will be against Pakistan on October the 6th, and we will keep you right up to date here on the Dutch News Podcast. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We'll include links to everything we talked about today in the liner notes, and you can get in touch with us by email to podcast.dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. Uh, or you could even back us on Patreon at patreoncom l and you'll earn yourself a uh, shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Paul Peters. I'm Gordon Darach, and we'll be back next week. <music>